Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. One of the things I like most about GameTime is that it shows you the view from where you are going to be sitting or any of the tickets that you are looking at. You get a full panoramic view from those seats in every section and every stadium where you could be looking for tickets. It's a great way to know exactly what you are getting into before you make that purchase. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. to Wire to Wire on Monday as we set ourselves to put a bow on week seven of the season. Patriots and Jets Monday night football and what I think is going to be a pretty fun game. That'll be the final game of week seven and the final game of the first half of a typical fantasy regular season. I guess we sort of crossed the halfway point at some point on Sunday, technically, with a 13-week regular season as the standard. But either way, we can look at weeks one through seven as the first half. And that is coming to an end here tonight. Thanks for joining us on Wire to Wire. I am Michael Beller, joined as always by my co-host, Brandon Funston. Funston, second half of the season, at least the fantasy season, has arrived. Oh, it was a rough weekend, man. Uh, Seahawk <laughs> fan, disgruntled. I'm sure you're a Bears fan, disgruntled. Uh, you got some fancy uh fantasy things that aren't going my way Monday night might save me a couple places but uh, yeah I'm ready for week eight I'm ready to turn the page on week seven yeah me too I had a decent fantasy week uh one in my most important league lost in my second most important league so you know I'll take that split and uh uh you know the I, I gave up hope on the Bears a couple weeks ago so uh <laughs> the uh I mean it's funny I was uh I was with a big group of friends over the weekend and uh I was the one person who was really like the, I was like the human Bears rain cloud and saying, you know, <laughs> the Saints are a much better team, and I think we know everything we need to know about Trubisky at this point, uh, and that certainly was driven home uh, on Sunday. So uh, I'm ready for. Uh, oh, so weird though. After last year, you would, you know, you don't expect, expect such a, a big swing. You know, it seemed like the Bears were just, you know, the momentum team going in the right direction, and, and you know, the one that was going to build off of, you know, their big, big breakout last year, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been an about face for sure. Yeah, well, you need an offense to uh, survive in the NFL. You can survive one year and a defense. We saw it with the 2017 Jaguars, saw it with the 2018 Bears. I think we might be seeing it eventually with the 2019 49ers. We'll see if that's the case in 2020. Obviously, that's a topic for uh, about a year from now, but uh, <laughs> you need an offense. And uh, the Bears, I don't think, have one just yet. So uh, it's uh, been a disappointing season to be sure. But uh, hey. Uh, NBA season starts tomorrow, right? So for hometown yeah, stuff, right. at least we've uh, got something to maybe turn the page to a little bit. You're very, uh, you're uh, totally tied up in the NBA season with the fantasy basketball draft kit, which we should mention as a uh, as a last day before the start of the season. You've got a new fantasy basketball podcast with Eric Wong. Uh, a lot of great stuff for uh, for subscribers and people listening in the uh, free universe as well. 
Yeah, we're going to be doing the podcast every Friday. We'll do it Friday morning. So we'll be, uh, we'll be, you know, you'll be able to listen to your hoop stuff heading into your weekend as soon as, uh, you know, your commute home on Friday. And if you leave early, we, you should still be covered. I think we'll have it out early enough for you to uh, get out of work early on Friday and listen to that on your commute home. Yeah, and I got to mention uh, Dunks and Dimes, one of my favorite uh, name podcasts here at The Athletic. Yeah, I, I, uh, I couch it as I'm the one setting you know, throwing the dimes and Eric is the one who's dunking them home. So uh, he, he's the he's the true expert. So I'll just be setting him up and getting his hot takes all, all season long. Beautiful. You're like Mike Conley. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Except for he, Conley probably scores more than I, I would. So. <laughs> well, more like Mark, old school Mark Jackson. There we go. I like that. Either way, no matter who it is, uh, throwing the dimes and throwing down the dunks, check out Dunks and Dimes, Brandon said, every single Friday here. At the athletic. All right, let's get into the waiver wire for week eight. A uh, couple of buys this week: Ravens and Cowboys. Uh, first person we have to mention is Chase Edmonds. Now, uh, in mo, he should already be owned in most leagues. Fifty percent owned in Yahoo, seventy percent owned in CBS. But we have to mention if he is out there in your league, he is easily the number one waiver guy. Had a breakout game, 126 yards on three touchdowns uh, in Arizona's third straight win. This one coming over the New York Giants, and to me, Funston, the most interesting part of this is that he got 27 carries in that game, and I know GameScript had something to do with it, but David Johnson's season high is 18 carries. Chase Edmonds got 27 in his first game as the feature back. Yeah, I'm wondering if Cliff Kingsbury saw the way the Giants were playing run defense and decided we'll just change the script and run Chase Edmonds 27 times because you look at his three touchdown runs and especially his first one. The first one, you or I could have ran for a touchdown. I honestly am not. <laughs> It's not hyperbolic in any way, shape, or form. He did not get touched. It was a wide open lane, and it was as easy a touchdown as you could get. But there, all three of his touchdowns, uh, the yards before contact was ridiculous, and a lot of his runs, the yard before contact was ridiculous. Um, so I just want to say to David Johnson owners, don't worry about this as a red alert situation. Uh, Chase Edmonds was beneficiary of some very soft defense for those big runs. And, you know, I would I would more look like Chase Edmonds when Johnson's healthy and back in there as getting closer to kind of like that Austin Eckler level compliment. I think this is what's going to allow him to carve out a role going forward that they're going to say, you know what, this is a nice compliment to David Johnson's style. And maybe we'll, we'll carve out a few more carries. But Johnson was second in among running backs in fantasy points per touch. And I, I just want to just assure Johnson owners that he is relatively safe. Yeah, this feels like a situation where both guys are going to have value. And just to uh, finish off this conversation, uh, Emery Hunt and I on last week's advanced route talked about these guys. Uh, obviously, this was days before uh, David Johnson, uh, you know, re-aggravated the injury or, or whatever the situation was in that game. And he said, I brought up the uh, Eckler Melvin Gordon comp, and he said that he thinks that's true in terms of just base fantasy value, but that it's um, uh, David Johnson who should be more in the Eckler pass catching role and Chase Edmonds, who should be more in the Melvin Gordon true running back role. So we'll see uh, how exactly they deploy these guys when David Johnson is fully healthy. If Chase Edmonds is out there in your league, maybe get a deeper league, but also make sure you <laughs> grab him uh, because he absolutely needs to be owned. All right, now the uh, the real top picks of the week. We start with Corey Davis. First start for Ryan Tannehill in a Titans uniform. They put up 23 points. Uh, offense uh, maybe had its best-looking game of the season, and Corey Davis was relevant. Six catches on seven targets for 80 yards 
and a touchdown, played 70% of the team's snaps. He had 16 catches on 27 targets in the first six games of the season, gets six for seven uh, in uh, Tannehill, or six catches on seven targets in Tannehill's first start. Uh, Funston, are we ready to buy back in on Corey Davis just with that one game? Oh, it just, just reminds me of an ex-girlfriend I had two two years with that mostly was all, all bad. The memories are mostly all <laughs> bad, except for a couple little, you know, moments along the way that were really good. But yeah, I mean, this is going to be tough for me. I pretty much, you know, had gotten out of the Corey Davis business. It was such a bad experience. But look at their sex appeal there. The guy's got athleticism. He, he looks apart. He was a top 10 pick. And, you know, we've mostly only known him as uh Marky, Marcus Mariota's uh you know as as a target under Mariota he's had a few games with other people but maybe Ryan Tannehill's the the guy to get him going um like I said there's a lot to work with with him it's worth a flyer uh Tannehill's looked really good and Corey Davis has talent as I said so you look at the next three games, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the Chiefs, two of those three games, those are soft secondaries. Panthers have been good, but I, you know, I think in all of those games, you can probably expect there's going to be some decent scoring involved. So, uh, you know, I would, I would be willing if I had a wide receiver needs uh, to roll the dice on him again, or at least I'd be willing to tell other people to do it. I just don't know if I can go back <laughs> down this road again. So I don't know. Where are you at on Corey Davis? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I guess I'm a little bit more bullish than you just because I'm buying Tannehill as an obvious upgrade from Marcus Mariota. So if you're willing to, uh, to, to stipulate that, then I think that Corey Davis is worth a shot because of all the reasons you said. Obvious talent, a top five pick in the draft when he came out a couple of years ago. Things haven't clicked for him, but some of that could owe to the quarterback that he's played with his entire career. Uh, he obviously, he's had some injury issues as well. So healthy with a guy who I think we all would agree is clearly an upgrade from the quarterback play that Corey Davis has had uh, for his entire uh, tenure with the Tennessee Titans. I think that alone and what we saw from him uh, with Tannehill in game number one uh, is worth making him a, a top waiver guy this week. I think that we could see uh, some, yeah, I mean, wide receiver three. I, I think he could be a wide receiver three the rest of the season if what we saw from Tannehill in week seven is for real. Yeah, I mean, that's not, yeah, I don't think that's, asking too much and you'll take a wide receiver three at this point in the season so oh, absolutely you can plug in and, and use as a wide receiver three is great and I, I i do think that he's capable of that for sure i you know I, I i joke about my history with him look it's all about what have you done for me lately and you got to have a you know you got to water under the bridge you don't need to worry about it so i'm sure in a few teams i'll be casting a line on the waiver wire uh for Corey davis this week yeah, he's our top receiver available. Now, if you miss out on him, we're going to go back to an old reliable that we've talked about quite a bit. We won't touch, uh, take up too much of your time again with Auden Tate, but worth mentioning that he's still relatively available across the entire fantasy landscape. Six targets uh, in the loss to the Jaguars, caught three of them for 65 yards. It was the second straight game that he outproduced Tyler Boyd, and Tyler Boyd got 14 targets in the game against the Jaguars, uh, but it was Auden Tate who was the most productive receiver for Cincinnati. The big thing for me, Funston, uh, before this game, Zach Taylor insistent that uh, he, that he, uh, Auden Tate, that is, will have a role in this passing game, even after AJ Green returns. So uh, with everything we've seen from him, everything we've seen from Cincinnati, both in terms of how they want to run offense and how they're going to be forced to run offense, given the fact that they are now 0-7, uh, Auden Tate for me is a, a pretty easy buy, at least as a depth receiver. 
Yeah, and he's a big physical guy, and all of his catches, if you watch the game, uh, you know, he just comes up and, and pulls down the ball in traffic. So he's been playing well. You know, Tyler Boyd had a fumble in that game as well. I, you know, we'll see when A.J. Green returns. I don't know how A.J. Green fits or, or why he fits. Uh, uh, I think if he was back before the trade deadline, that they would probably be actively looking to trade him, and I, you know, maybe they still are. I, I just don't know where A.J. Green fits in this team's future. I'd be surprised if he's playing in Cincinnati come this time next season, but uh, it, uh, I would be less surprised if he dealt somewhere else before that. Um, so anyways, I, I, I agree. I think Auden Tate's played himself into a, into a role going forward. And, um, and yeah, Tyler Boyd just, uh, you know, as a Tyler Boyd owner, I, I'm just continued to be uh, disappointed coming into Monday talking to you on wire to wire. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a surprise, I think. But uh, last year uh, we saw that he was more productive with AJ Green on the field than he was without AJ Green, and certainly that has been the case this season as well. But we agree, Auden Tate, uh, someone who is going to have a role uh, in fantasy leagues to play for the rest of the season. Uh, the last guy we've only seen one game this year, and uh, here it is, knee in it, and we haven't seen him since. It's Darius Geis. Uh, now, now, this is a longer range play. Of course, Darius Geis probably won't be able to return until week 11. At least that's what Washington is saying at this point. Uh, he's got a buy in week 10, uh, would be eligible to return that week, but uh, obviously uh, not going to have a game to play uh, in Washington that week. But uh, there's obvious upside here. And for me, that makes him a worthy stash with week 11, just three weeks away. Yeah. And Adrian, you know, Adrian Peterson starting to has run well the last couple of weeks, but uh might be all right for guys to just miss the next couple of games because you're at Minnesota and at Buffalo. And the way this Washington offense looks, I can see the Adrian Petersons and whoever's running the ball in the Washington backfield to get kind of stymied uh, before their bye. So you come out after the bye and there's some softer spots. And um, this is kind of going to come down to what kind of a, you know, what your roster, roster con construct is right now. How deep are your benches and how, how well are you doing? Do you have the luxury of picking up a guy that you can just stash for three weeks or do you have to use those spots on guys that you have to use right now? So if you are one of those teams that has the luxury of being able to stash a guy, um, you know, here, there's very few guys out there that you know that can come in and maybe start taking 15 touches down the stretch when they do return. So, um, yeah, I, I think – Again, this is for people that maybe uh, have first world problems in the fantasy world. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, I would say five and two or better. I'm all in on Darius Geis, four and three or worse. I'm probably uh, needing to use those roster spots a little bit more urgently. But uh, I do think that once he's ready to go, he's going to step right back in uh, to the uh, starters role in Washington, especially with it being another lost season uh, in D.C. So those are our top three guys, uh, Corey Davis, Auden Tate, Darius Geis, and of course, Chase Edmonds, if he is out there in your league, tops all of them. Now we go into our position by position segment. We start with the running backs. Uh, a couple things to keep in mind, of course. We're looking at guys who are about 45% owned or less across the uh, entire uh, fantasy landscape, give or take a couple of percentage points. If a guy's, you know, 48% or if he's, you know, 51% owned on CBS and 43% owned on Yahoo, then of course we'll throw him in there. But just think about that 45% number as a baseline. And of course, uh, Monday night, midnight Eastern, you'll be able to check out Jake Seeley's waiver column as well. We always recommend putting that together with this to cover every single possible angle 
from the waiver wires perspective. At running back, we start out with a couple of Rams, Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. Malcolm Brown missed week seven with an ankle injury, an easy win for the Rams over the Falcons. Daryl Henderson, kind of a disappointment, Brandon. 11 carries, you like that number, but just 31 yards on those 11 carries, just one target. And of course, we've been talking about how that's really his, his draw uh, is as a potential receiving back. Uh, so he didn't deliver on that upside. And they've got the Bengals and then a buy so it does seem like his value might be short-lived here but Malcolm Brown uh we're thinking that he's got a long-term shelf life once he is back from the ankle injury is that right yeah I think so I think the problem here is I don't think this offensive line's run blocking well at all you look at Todd Gurley had you know almost the same disappointing numbers on the ground eight carries 18 carries 41 yards for a 2.3 average which is right about what Henderson had and this is the Atlanta Falcons they were facing so um you know, I, I guess there's going to be opportunities uh, for Malcolm Brown when he's healthy and if he's available. You know, we do like volume, and so guys that are going to get eight to ten touches mean something in certain leagues. I just think this running environment in, with the Rams right now is pretty bad. And so I don't know that I would be urging everybody to go out. It's kind of one of those, you know, how desperate are you kind of plays. But the, I guess the one thing you can say for – uh, Malcolm Brown, if he's healthy, is he should get some touches. I mean, whoever the second running back is, we saw that with Daryl Henderson, you know, 11 carries. Like, whoever the second running back is, because you're, because it looks like, even though they won't come out and, and straight up say it, they are giving Gurley some, you know, a bit of a maintenance program here. So someone else is going to handle the ball uh, in that backfield alongside Gurley. And, uh, you know, maybe down the stretch they can get this running game going. But right now it's uh, it's definitely a work in progress. Wouldn't be a huge surprise to see whoever that person is get a lot of work next week. Also, uh, they're playing the Bengals. You got to figure that's not a game that the Rams are going to need a huge effort from Todd Gurley to win. And then they get a buy. So if you take it easy on Gurley next week, you almost get him like three weeks of like sneaky rest right before you go yeah. into the uh, to the second half in the home stretch of the season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Brown or Henderson get a nice heavy workload against a really bad Bengals team. That's a, another big reason why those guys are uh, great ads, I think, uh, going into this week, even though it is just a two, uh, two-team bye week. But you know, Mark Ingram's taking a seat. Ezekiel Elliott's taking a seat. So if you, uh, if you are regularly starting one of those two guys and you think you maybe need some short-term help, one of these Rams can be the guy who helps you out. Uh, how about Mark Walton, Funston? 14 carries and 66 yards against the Bills. That's uh, at least the second straight game that he's played a really big role for the Dolphins. And the big one here, 52% of snaps played for Mark Walton, just 41% for Kenyon Drake. Uh, we've talked about it now over multiple regimes, with whatever it is. Uh, even though Kenyon Drake's got the talent, multiple regimes have not wanted to trust him as their starter. We should take some direction from that it looks like Mark Walton's going to have a big role to play for the Dolphins the rest of the season and there remains the chance that Kenyon Drake gets traded and uh, Mark Walton has this backfield largely to himself yeah and I think for that reason this guy would probably be uh, among the guys that are likely to be available this week in your running back pool the guy that I'd be targeting first because I think they're like you said I think there's a really good chance that well I we know that they're shopping Kenyon Drake they didn't even bother denying it um you know, the important part here is, is there a suitor? I don't think it's going to cost much to get Kenyon Drake from the Dolphins right now. And so if someone wants a little bit of running back depth somewhere else, suddenly Mark Walton's the guy and he's a versatile guy, you know, in PPR leagues, uh, there, he should give you a nice bump in the numbers in, you know, a couple of weeks, we could be talking about a guy who's regularly getting between 15, you know, 18 touches a game. And because of his versatility, even when the game script goes 
the way that it always does, we know that there's some ut utility for Mark Walton in that situation as well. So uh, I like this guy as, as a target. I think he's a, a great guy to have on your bench uh, going forward. Yeah, you know you're going to have to deal with some pretty negative game script all uh, across the board. Uh, Steelers, Jets, and Colts the next three games. The Dolphins are going to be underdogs in every game they play, although they do play Cincinnati at the end of the yeah. season. So uh, maybe you got that. I believe that's during the fantasy playoffs. So uh, maybe another reason if you are, again, those first world problems sitting at 6-1 and one or 7-0 and oh, uh, and you're already thinking about what the playoff schedule looks like, Mark Walton might be a nice target to go after. But I agree, uh, a good target to go after, whether you're 7-0, 0-7, oh, oh, or anywhere in between. Looks like he's going to have a sizable role for the remainder of the season and has done well with the role that he's had to this point, especially over the last two weeks. Next guy we've got listed is Gus Edwards. Now, this feels like a pure handcuff situation to Mark Ingram, but we are getting to that point of the year where you want your handcuffs safely secured and uh this is a, a situation uh, to me a pure handcuff is a guy who we know would take over that role uh for the starter exactly as it is if the starter were to go down with injury and I think that does describe Gus Edwards he's had at least five carries in every single game this season Mark Ingram handles the bulk of the workload so five carries might not sound like a lot but it is quite a bit and, and he's had more way more than five carries in most games this season in the win over Seattle eight carries for 35 yards again this is not someone who's going to have really any reliable standalone value the way we talk about someone like Chase Edmonds uh, for example but if Ingram were to go down, that job just rolls right over to Gus Edwards. Yeah, I put Edwards on the short list of guys that are like, you know, at the top of the handcuff list. I, you know, I'd probably put Alexander Madison and Tony Pollard ahead of him, but like, I don't know that I'd put really anybody else ahead of him. We've seen what he can do in a lead role. You know, we were all on the, the Gus bus last year. He had three 100 yard games in the second half, taking over that backfield, uh, you know, well what the average like 5.2 yards per carry uh and so we saw what he could do last year this is one of the most run heavy teams in the league and if ingram were to go down you could probably rely on him for something close to 20 carries a week and you would know you would at least get the rushing yards doesn't give you anything in the passing game but that's all right when you're when you're running that well he's kind of like a upper middle class version of derrick henry right so um so yeah that's it's as you mentioned five carries in every game and you don't really want to throw them out there unless you're real dire straits right now you know maybe bye week has you really crippled but it's just a potential uh for what could happen if mark ingram were to go down and if you're mark ingram owner and you have the ability to roster gus edwards it makes sense at this point in the season as you mentioned to kind of just have that insurance in place yeah, it's handcuff time. He is a clear handcuff to uh, Mark Ingram, so go ahead and get him in the bye week again. Coming up for the Ravens this week, so uh, maybe you can sneak him through uh, with that as well. Maybe not quite as high a priority for most other people uh, if you are the Mark Ingram owner. Trio of AFC Northbacks to uh, talk about here. I'll just fly through the first two, Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell in Pittsburgh. Uh, Samuels likely to still be out this week with the Steelers playing. The Dolphins uh, still making his return from our arthroscopic knee surgery could return in week nine though and we know he'll have a role to return to once he is back on the field Benny Snell got 17 carries for 75 yards in the Steelers uh, week six win over the Chargers part of that was juiced by uh, James Connors injury doesn't sound too serious 
Connor should be right back in that lead dog role this week. Uh, but, hey, we've seen plenty of backup running backs go off against the Dolphins when the team gets out to big leads. So Benny Snell could have some short-term value, although that likely dissipates when both Connor and Samuels are healthy. The other one who I do want to ask you about, Funston, is Kareem Hunt. Uh, reported that he was cleared to rejoin the team for practice today, can return to the field in week 10. He's not going to take Nick Chubb's job, that is for sure. But uh, what sort of situation are you going after Kareem Hunt uh, in uh, you know just a typical you know, 12-team standard size fantasy league? Yeah, I do want to talk about Kareem Hunt, but I just have to get off my chest. Did the NFL do the Pittsburgh a solid or what? They give him a bye week, and then you come back to a Monday night game at home <laughs> against Miami? That's like Beautiful. A, it's like a two-week bye there. That's, that's really nice. But uh, uh, on Kareem Hunt, I, I'm, I think it's, it's a fascinating situation. Nick Chubb has been one of the most successful running backs in the league to this point. He looks awesome. And I, so I was kind of curious about your opinion. Like, let's say, you know, is it, is he, is he Austin Eckler? Is he chase Edmonds? Is, what kind of a, what kind of a, you know, timeshare are you expecting? Cause I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be some, I mean, it only makes sense. Uh, Cream hunts. Awesome. I think he's a legit, one of the best running back talents in the league. As much as I've seen him run, like he just breaks tackles. He's versatile. Um, he's, he's, He's dynamic. So how can you not use, especially with the way the season's been going as much as you like Nick Chubb and all that, like Cleveland's not winning games. So, um, you know, get, get your best players out on the field. So maybe they do a decent amount of two running back sets or uh, try to get creative that way. My, my guess is that somehow, some way Kareem Hunt uh, down the stretch is touching the ball at least 10 times a game. Yeah, I mean, it's there's not an obvious division of labor between these two backs because they're both like clear lead backs, right? It's not right. like a, it's not like an Eckler Gordon situation where one guy clearly is the better runner and one guy clearly is the better uh, receiving back. And maybe you can even make an argument there that uh, Melvin Gordon isn't so clearly the better runner, but there's an obvious division of labor there. It's obvious what you would ask one to do and what you would ask the other to do. And that's not necessarily the case with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, you, you would think about ways to sneak them both onto the field at the same time, but that's going to be harder to do for a team that has uh, offensive line issues. I mean, right. They need a tight end out there. They need a tight end out there at all times. So you're not going to see any, you know, three receiver, two back, zero tight end sets from this team. That's just not doable with the with the uh, offensive line issues that they have. So I think they'll figure out ways to get creative. Obviously, when they signed Kareem Hunt, they knew they had Nick Chubb. It's not like this was a surprise to them that this point of the season was going to arrive. But uh, I do think that uh, it's a situation like Nick Chubb's not going anywhere. Nick Chubb's excellent. So, yeah, I sort of think that I, 10 touches a game up. might be right. I mean, even that 10 touches that you mentioned, I see the uh, the upside or the reason why you would want to get that, the logic behind it, but I don't know where you necessarily find the ten touches every single week. Yeah, so are, are you would you would you take the under on that then? We're, if we're talking ten touches, expectations down the stretch per game, you going over or under that number on Kareem Hunt? I think I'm going under more just okay. because I don't know where, how the math of it works out. So then this is this almost becomes like uh, you know he's a luxury handcuff. He's in the Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Gus Edwards equation. Yeah, but if I didn't have if I didn't have that guy's starter, like if I didn't have Delvin Cook, I would want Cream Hunt over Alexander Madison. I think the upside for my roster is higher. Right, right, there right, right. Because well, those think, guys, those guys need an injury. Right, and I don't think Cream Hunt needs an injury. I could just be wrong about be be going under on the 10, 10 touches per game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know I think the the point is it's very unclear. I think it's. But I always say this bet on talent. 
And yeah. Kareem Hunt is one of the most talented guys. Just just always assume that talent some way, somehow works its way to the top because it usually does. And mm-hmm. so for that reason, I think you, it behooves anybody who has the ability to just throw them on your bench and see what happens. Um, and and these, these things have a way of working themselves out. I agree entirely with that. The upside is way too obvious and way too huge to just ignore him if he's sitting out there in your league. Let's move on now to the wide receiver position. Uh, we already talked about a couple off the top, Corey Davis and Auden Tate. And we've got Corey Davis's teammate here uh, now that we're into the wide receiver section of the show. A.J. Brown, he too uh, showed up in his first game with Ryan Tannehill. Six catches on eight targets for 64 yards. That's a season high in receptions and targets. You combine that with the fact that we know he has big play ability. And A.J. Brown, again, uh, we've talked about him a few times, but now probably the most interesting he's been at any point in the season, even though we've seen bigger games from him uh, earlier in the year. Yeah, but we haven't seen him targeted more. Uh, this is kind of like you like to see these kind of games because then you can start imagining how you can get consistency out of them. You know, right when you get the earlier games in the season where you have four targets and three catches for 100 yards and it's all based around big plays, it's ex- it's nice and you'll take it if you happen to have caught that guy on your you know and started him that week. But as someone that you're trying to looking at to start week to week, you need to see the targets. You need to see, you know, some PPR bump upside where you're getting six catches. And uh, so now, you, you know, you've seen a little bit of both. A guy that can can be a compiler of catches, but also has that big play ability. And this guy's got, you know, he just he looks like a linebacker playing wide receiver, but he's also got speed. He's just like, you know, he's he does not look like your regular wide receiver, but in a good way. He looks like a a an evolved, you know, some something out of a out of a lab version of a wide receiver. So if Tannehill is going to get Corey Davis going, why not get AJ Green going too? The talent's there for both of them, and maybe you know with Tannehill back there and looking good as a passer, that they're willing to open things up a little bit more with this offense. I knew it was going to happen eventually. I just didn't know which one of us it was going to be. You just called him AJ Green instead of AJ Brown. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it had to happen. I'm sorry. So I'm happy. I'm happy happen. we. I'm happy we broke the seal on that because it had to happen eventually. I was. Just Is there an AJ Blue out there as well? That <laughs> that just, that that was, <laughs> yeah, that was a guarantee that was coming at some point. Uh, but uh, yeah, AJ, I totally agree with everything you said. In the next three games, just like we talked about for Corey Davis, not threatening for AJ Brown either. Tampa, Carolina, and Kansas City are Tennessee's next three opponents. Uh, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins, uh, another team that uh, had a. Quarterback change. Uh, Now we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick this season more than we've seen Ryan Tannehill. We've seen him start games for Miami, but uh, probably no coincidence that it was Miami's best offensive game of the season and that it came against a pretty tough Buffalo Bills uh, team on the road. Uh, But uh, you've had, you got Devontae Parker, 10 targets, caught five of them for 55 yards and a touchdown. Preston Williams, eight targets, caught six of them for 82 yards. Uh, I think same thing that we talk about. Ryan Tannehill is a clear upgrade over uh, Marcus Mariota. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, at least for the time being, is a clear upgrade over Josh Rosen. And that that makes these guys uh, at least more interesting as depth receivers as we still are dealing with bye weeks for another, what, five, six weeks ahead of us? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before Corey Davis, Devontae Parker was my Corey Davis, the guy that I always was betting on and then finally had to wipe my hands of. But I'm... I, Devonte Parker's talent's obvious. You can see it, you know, when, when he, when he's out there making plays, I thought, you know, he looked pretty good on Sunday against a, a tough Buffalo bills secondary and uh, you know, only had the 55 yards, but he, you mentioned the touchdown. That's now three straight games in which he has a touchdown. And really other than, uh, you know, a seven target goose egg against new England in week two, 
every other game's been, you know, I, I think you could describe as at least serviceable. And and Preston Williams uh, along the same lines, you know, these are guys that have continued to, you know, not really blow up, but they kind of find a way to do something. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're always chasing on the scoreboard and they're going to have to throw. And uh, I like their upside with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of in on these guys. I'm looking at the schedule going forward. You get the Jets a couple weeks from now in Pittsburgh this coming week. Like, um, I think those are okay matchups to go out and pick up these guys and see, you know, if you, especially you need some wide receiver help or you need someone to plug in. I think these guys could be, you know, right towards the top of the list of wide receivers that will be out there that I'd be interested in. Right there with you, and this is a team that's also already had its bye, so you don't have to worry about them sitting down in one of the heavy bye weeks. And remember, we've got some 16 bye weeks coming up uh, a couple of weeks from now. So those are those are guys who you know are going to be out there, even if the matchup isn't great. Uh, hey, when you're uh, six teams down, there's going to be people dealing with some bye week issues. So those guys could certainly fit into starting lineups, at least for those weeks. And if you get one good week out of someone like that, they pay off uh, with uh, the, in- the investment that you made in them to get them off of the waiver wire um a couple of patriots now to talk about now they play this monday night game against the jets tonight so depending on when you're listening to this maybe things will have changed a little bit but uh, philip dorsett will have an opportunity to return against the jets tonight he uh, has been out with a, a knee injury as a hamstring um yeah, yeah, knee injury. So Philip Dorsett uh, could return against the Jets. Nikhil Harry uh, is back at practice as well. He's been out with the knee injury. Uh, he will uh, not play uh, against the uh, Jets, uh, won't play in week eight as either, uh, but could return in week nine as he uh, is making his uh, way back from the IR. A um, couple of guys who hard to really find where their roles are going to be. We know what Philip Dorsett is, a boomer bust guy, has some touchdown upside. Um, but, uh, again, this is a, this is an offense that for me has been kind of hard to figure, even though the Patriots have been finding plenty of team success. I guess the question is, where do you rank these guys against the other wide receivers that we've discussed thus far? Mm, I, you know what? I think I would, the unknown kind of like, Ooh, Ryan Tannehill is looking good. Let's see where this, you know, what he can do with talents like Corey Davis and AJ Brown. I think I'm ready to buy in on Titan, uh, receivers first and foremost but i would probably go philip dorsett third and then probably Devonte parker preston williams uh four five and then i'm then i might be considering keel harry but man he had such a rough summer and right it was hard to get anybody to say anything nice about how he was doing with his development and in practice and in camp and stuff like that but I liked him in college. I saw an awful lot of him and I liked his landing spot with new England and new England wanting, wanting him at the very end of the first round. It was pretty, you know, pretty surprising that they were willing to, you know, buy in that high on him and, and go for it. So I thought, Ooh, this could be a good situation, but I'm kind of at, at a point with him where I need to see it to believe it because, uh, I've been kind of infused with my brain with a lot of doubt based upon reports of what we've heard about him kind of fitting into this offense so uh he would be the last guy on my list and i'd probably have dorsett just after the titans yeah i i think i'm with you there uh, definitely the titans are going to be at the top of my list uh but i do think dorsett we'll see what happens tonight against the jets right if he plays and what he's able to do in that game but we know the touchdown upside is going to be there for him we've already seen him get in the end zone a couple of times this season uh browns ravens and then a bye are the next three weeks for Dorsett and the Patriots after, of course, they play the Jets on Monday night football. Uh, Kenny Stills, how about uh, how about Stills, Funston? Makes his return from a hamstring injury uh, in week seven, catches five targets, catches four of them for 105 yards. His last two healthy games, 
eight catches on 11 targets for 194 yards. And in that game where he had the hamstring injury, uh, caught two of two targets for 24 yards before he had to leave that one. So basically doing the Kenny Stills thing, right? We know he's got big playability. Uh, he, when he cashes in on the, the few targets that he gets, they result in big games. It's just a question if he's going to cash in or not from week to week. Well, so this will be one where I watch the Will Fuller hamstring news because if we get something that says it's going to be a multiple week kind of deal, and if they say week to week with Will Fuller, assume it means at least three weeks, right? right. Like, uh, so if if we can get any kind of indication before waivers go, Kenny Stills might be at the top of my list because I've always liked Kenny Stills. He was saddled in Miami for a little while, but he had you know he he had flashes, but he's basically he can do what Will Fuller does. Um, he's a, he's a great vertical threat. He actually shows a little bit of ability to, to, you know, work horizontally across the field as well, but this is just one of the best environments he could ask for. And if he's going to get a decent amount of run, if you, if you work opposite Deandre Hopkins, you're never going to see double teams. Uh, you know, you're going to get opportunities to show your vertical ability. So if Will Fuller's out for a stretch of time, I might go Kenny Stills. Uh, you know, number one on this list that we're talking about guys, maybe, maybe Corey Davis, uh, one, but it would be close. I'd put Kenny Stills right at the top. If I knew Will Fuller was going to be out for multiple weeks. Yeah, hopefully we get a little bit of news on Will Fuller over the next couple of days. Probably not going to be the case, right? Unless it's a serious injury, um, serious meaning at least a couple of weeks that they know for sure that they're willing to say right off the bat. Uh, Raiders, Jaguars, and then a bye the next three weeks for Houston. And uh, yeah, Funston, your uh, your point is well taken. If, if Will Fuller is out for multiple weeks here because of his hamstring injury, then Kenny Stills instantly becomes one of the most interesting players, not just at the wide receiver position, but at any position on the waiver wire this week one more guy that we should talk about uh, with some dedication is Zach Pascal six catches on seven targets for 106 yards and two touchdowns in the win over the Texans he appears to be the number two receiver behind T.Y. Hilton as long as Paris Campbell's out he did play just 47 percent of the snaps but he made those count with the numbers uh, that I just rattled off uh, are we having any belief in him beyond depth receiver Funston or is it just a guy who you know I'm happy to have on my team for bye weeks but probably not someone I want to lean on with any sort of consistency yeah I think that's exactly I, I think the biggest issue here is consistency uh, we know that Jacoby Reset's going to lean on T.Y. Hilton as his go-to guy. We know that when they can, they'd be willing to run Marlon Mack, you know, 20-plus times and play it very conservatively. It's a good enough defense that they can do that uh, in some games as well. We just, you know, Pascal's probably been the most consistent number two guy, especially over the last month. But I just, you know, no one's really kind of established themselves in that way. And I don't know that you could say going forward that Zach Pascal is going to regularly get his seven to eight targets and be that that solid number two guy it could just as easily be Chester Rogers next week, uh, you know, or eventually Paris Campbell, you know, is healthy and he, he's in the mix. And I just think we're going to continue to see a shuffle behind T.Y. Hilton for that number two job. Yeah, I agree completely there. He's a depth guy, nothing more. Next three games for the Colts, Broncos, Steelers, and Dolphins. So maybe you can find some spots for him uh, with those upcoming opponents. Five other guys who I just want to list here really quickly, just in case uh, you're in a deeper league. All these guys are, are owned already and you need some help at the wide receiver position. Chris Conley showed up for the first time really all season uh, this past week. Had eight targets, caught just three of them, but the eight targets are nice. 83 yards, also had a two-point conversion, played a, a handful more snaps than D.D. West. Brooks, so maybe he's starting to find a little bit of a rhythm with Gardner Minshew. Uh, and then the other four guys we've talked about a bunch already. So Geronimo Allison, Cole Beasley, Dante Pettis, Deontay Johnson, if they remain available in your league, uh, those are guys who you could go after for some short 
long-term help at the wide receiver position. Uh, tight ends, not really a whole lot to talk about here. I think Chris Herndon is still worth keeping an eye on. Uh, could return from the hamstring injury this week, although it does sound a little bit more like a week nine situation uh, for him. Uh, Funston, this is another guy we've talked about a bunch. I don't think we need to spend too much time on him. To me, he is uh, right jumps right into the low-end tight end one discussion when he is healthy, but it's hard to get super excited about him because of this hamstring injury. Yeah, this will be known as the year that we all waited uh, for Chris Herndon with bated breath, right? Like, it's like, oh, when, you know, we've been waiting for him for the first four weeks, and now we're waiting and waiting, and who knows? Uh, but it, it just kind of speaks to how dire the tight end position is. Um, you know, we had uh, in the fantasy roundtable last week, we threw out Jason Witten, Greg Olson, and Delaney Walker as like, which 30-something tight end do you like? The most, and those are those are like I believe they were nine, ten, and eleven on the overall fantasy points at the tight end position going into week seven, and so, uh, and then the 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 kind of the the second part of that question was, whoever you choose, would you rather have Chris Herndon? And almost to a man of the like, I think there were seven respondents. Almost every one of them said Chris Herndon would be the one that they would take. So we all think of him as a you know kind of like that number nine, number eight level tight end uh, that you know, once he's back and in play, obviously the huge problem is he needs to be back and in play. And (laughs) that is something that we, we continue to wait for. So we're excited about when he does return, but who knows when that'll be. Yeah, and now uh, Delaney Walker dealing with an ankle injury of his own that knocked him out uh, of the Titans uh, win over the Chargers in week eight or week seven, excuse me. So uh, we lose another guy from the already depleted tight end group. Uh, the rest of the position I've just got listed as streamers. Uh, could be, it not could be, it will be a week where people need to stream uh, at the position. Mark Andrews on a bye and Jason Witten. Uh, there's a good chance that someone in every league has been leaning on him as at least a semi-regular starter. He takes a seat this week. So I've got a bunch of guys listed here. Funston, uh, does, do any of them, uh, and I'll, I'll list them all, Darren Fells, Dawson Knox, Jack Doyle, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, Dallas Goddard, and I think we can throw Johnny Smith on here as well because of the Delaney Walker injury. Any of these guys jump out at you as a one-week stream this week if you need someone? Uh, no one jumps out at me. I haven't. I got to dive into these matchups a little bit more. Uh, Irv Smith jumps out at me as a talent. I look forward to the days when they turn to him as their as their kind of like their regular go-to tight end in the passing game because uh, he looks good. Um, Dallas Goddard, same deal. Like I, as a Seahawk fan, I'm just like salivating over the idea that these guys could be, you know, step into the Seahawks offense and replace Will Disley. You know, it's like. That's uh, a, you know, it's a luxury item to have those guys as backups on the team that they're on. So, um, you know, I'm looking at uh, who's playing Arizona <laughs> and it's New Orleans. So if Jerry Cook weren't healthy, I guess you maybe you could think about a Josh Hill as well in there. But um, yeah, I think they're all I think they all deserve to be on this list. I just don't know if I can differentiate who's the best call of this group right now. Yeah, I might I might lean toward one of the Vikings, Rudolph or Smith, just because it already sounds like Adam Thielen's going to miss this game against Washington with the uh, with the hamstring injury he suffered in the win over Detroit. Um, so that, that that should open up some targets. They both got six targets in the game against Detroit. Now that was a forty two thirty game. This feels like a game uh, against Washington that Minnesota is going to be able to go back to the old reliable script of Dalvin Cook and defense, and we got an easy win here. Uh, but just with Thielen being out, that does increase the uh, target possibilities for both Rudolph and Smith. So that's probably 
the direction in which I would lean. But again, uh, you're basically taking any of these guys and crossing your fingers for a touchdown. Uh, that's where you're at. If you don't have one of the top tight ends, or if you are a Mark Andrews owner, who's going to be without him this week, that's just the state of the tight end position in 2019. Uh, should mention Cam Newton, uh, likely to return to practice uh, this week with, uh, you know, he's been out for uh, since week two with a foot injury. Now he's not expected to play just yet against the 49ers, but that uh, ownership rate has dropped south of 50% uh, across the fantasy landscape. So definitely keep an eye on Cam Newton when he does return. It'll be interesting to see the decision that the Panthers make, but uh, get ready to start making some speculative apps perhaps on Cam Newton. If he is fully healthy, I think we see uh, the Cam Newton that we've come to know and expect over his entire NFL career. He also launches us into our quarterbacks to stream discussion in week eight. Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, those are regular starters. They're both taking a seat. So uh, we could be able to find some value for people on the waiver wire of all the guys who does, uh, who's the one that jumps out at you most Funston. Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm follow a common theme of this wire to wire podcast today, which was Brian Tannehill. We've talked an awful lot about him. He's widely available. He's looked good. His yards per, per attempt is well over nine pushing 10. Um, you know, we talked about, we like the athleticism of his targets and we get Tampa Bay this week. So, you know, it's a good week to, you know, roll a dice and, and do a trial run with Ryan Tannehill, Tampa Bay, you know, after starting the year pretty good against Jimmy Garoppolo, they've, they've turned out to be the defense we thought they were right. They, uh, you know, they've had, I look at, they had a run where they gave up over 330 yards to four straight quarterbacks, four straight weeks, uh, give up 11 touchdown passes in six games. And they are a team that Ryan Tannehill can, I believe have su- success against, especially at home. So to me, if I need a quarterback this week, I'm looking at Ryan Tannehill very intently. Yeah, I can endorse that one as well. I'll go with Teddy Bridgewater as my favorite guy to stream this week. Uh, just remarkable work the way that they've been able to not only steady the ship, but go undefeated, undefeated without Drew Brees. Uh, just, just a great, great job by Sean Payton and this entire uh, Saints team to sort of reinvent itself on the fly. Teddy Bridgewater has had a couple of standout games mixed in there as well. And I think he gets another one against the Arizona Cardinals this week. Could be his last start. Uh, Cardinals this week, then a bye. Hard to imagine Drew Brees rushing back. Uh, he is expected to return to practice this week with his thumb injury, but got to believe that Bridgewater gets one more start. We've talked about it plenty. Uh, the Cardinals are a defense that you can take advantage of absolutely, uh, really uh, across the board, on the air, over, uh, through the air, on the ground. Uh, whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it against the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, I do think that uh, Teddy Bridgewater is a nice stream play and what I believe is going to be his last start of the season. A few other guys we've got listed just in case uh, Bridgewater and or Tannehill are not available to you. Uh, Jacoby Brissett and the Colts are hosting the Broncos. Sam Darnold and the Jets visit the Jaguars. Mason Rudolph, if he is able to return, gets a juicy matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick on the other side of that game at Pittsburgh. Not a great option, but if you're reaching, he could be someone. And same goes for Daniel Jones. Not a great option, not one we heartily endorse with the Giants taking on the Lions in Detroit. But beggars can't be choosers. And uh, if you need some, de- if you're desperate for help at the quarterback position, he's someone who we would go after as a very low grade streamer in week eight. And how about the defense position, Funston? Another one uh, that we talk about every single week. Any defenses jumping out at you as a good week eight stream? Yeah, well, you kind of set me up with that Daniel Daniel Jones talk. I got to go with the Detroit Lions. I, you know, they've been an upper half fantasy defense so far. And 
if you get to face Daniel Jones, that's proving to be uh, a nice, nice deal for your defense. Look, at he, Jones is coming off the game against the Cardinals, in which he was sacked eight times, had another interception. That's now uh, seven interceptions in the past four games. You look at the sacks, uh, it's 13 sacks in the last three games. They are the Giants now are up to number four in points allowed to opposing fantasy defenses. Uh, Miami, I think the Jets and one other team are in front of them, but they're as almost as good as it gets. So again, you get the Lions. They've been a good defense to this point. They're at home, and you get Daniel Jones. I like that an awful lot. So we shouldn't have been putting him in the Hall of Fame after that first game against the Buccaneers. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if we should have just been giving him a Danny Dimes cool nickname like that just <laughs> out of the gate either. I think you got to have a, more than just one game to deserve something like that. So, yeah. Well, hey, I'm with you. I'm uh, I'm happy that uh, that you know you said off the top that you're you're the one dishing out the dimes and Eric gets to throw down the dunks <laughs> in uh, in uh, dunks and dimes. I'm or dimes and dunks. I'm happy to be the one uh, setting you up uh, here, so you get to throw down a couple of dunks before you uh, go be the uh, point guard of that show later this week. I, I agree. I think the Lions are an excellent choice. I also think the Steelers are a great choice. They get the Dolphins at home this week. And what I love about the Steelers is that most the way most waiver wires work, since they were on buy this week, they're just sitting out there as a free agent. You don't have to wait for the uh, waiver time to pass, or you don't have to put in a claim for them. So if you've got a, a, t- a player that you don't really need on your roster anymore that you can drop, you can go grab the Steelers right now. I actually did that in a league this morning. So I've already got my week eight defense to stream here on Monday morning, and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Got to believe that they take advantage of a great matchup against the Miami Dolphins. A few other teams uh, that we look at, Panthers at 49ers, Colts versus the Broncos. And hey, if you want to maybe take a shot on Ryan Tannehill uh, playing more to the previous part of his career than what he did for the Titans in week seven, Buccaneers at the Titans. But again, uh, as you mentioned, Funston, that defense looking a lot more like what we thought it was. So that would be a, a very low option. A, another one of those beggars can't be choosers options for your defenses to stream. That is going to do it for us here on the week eight edition of Wire to Wire. Uh, you can get Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can get me on Twitter at M. Beller. Now, Funston, we have to mention, got to uh, give a little hat tip to our Friday show. That is something we will no longer be doing here uh, at The Athletic. Now, we're replacing it. It's not like we're uh, reducing our full podcast suite here. We are replacing Friday's Wire to Wire with a Friday episode of best on the board that is our gambling and survivor show that chris meany and i do we do that every wednesday now we will have a friday update to that show as well so uh any last words for friday wire to wire funston well i think it just speaks to the comprehensive job we've been doing on monday and and, you know and just kind of like uncovering all uh you know all things in this monday (laughs) show and making the friday version unnecessary so i think this is going to be a good evolution you get to talk survivor and some betting stuff, which, uh, you know, maybe end of the week, that makes sense to talk about a little bit more than, than the wire, but, yeah. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll still have you covered here on Mondays. We will still absolutely have you entirely covered on Mondays with Wire to Wire, with Jake's waiver column. And hey, the one thing we did uh, on Friday uh, in, in any depth was talk about waiver guys to go after in advance uh, over the weekend before they became popular waiver targets that following week. We still got you covered there as well with David Ganos's uh, column on that topic every single week. So we are not leaving you hanging on the waiver wire whatsoever. We'll still pick you up. We've got you with Wire to Wire on Mondays, Jake's waiver column on Mondays at midnight Eastern, and then Ganos's look-ahead waiver wire on Friday. Best on the board, making its Friday debut this week. And, of course, you can get Brandon and Eric Wong 
on is it dimes and dunks or dunks and dimes dunks and dimes dunks and dimes i I forgot in the middle of uh you know this uh, 45 minute show dunks and dimes also for fantasy basketball season beginning on tuesday thank you for listening to wire to wire here on a monday uh funston and i will be back with you and jake seeley of course on the ranking show on wednesday until then good luck with your waiver claims and your uh, priority seeking over the next couple of days we'll be back with you on wednesday until then thanks for listening to wire to wire 